Just a quick heads up, The Holy Hive Show does contain adult language that may not be suitable for sensitive listeners and children. From Salt Lake City, this is The Holy Hive Show. For HolyHiveUtah.com, I'm Jordan Delacruz, and with me today, as always, is the producer of the show, Dan Lawler. Dan, what's good? Hello. You know, just hanging out Saturday morning. You awake? Little hungover, if I'm being entirely honest. Hungover off what? Beers? Just beers. Yeah. Lots of beers, though. Local beers? Local beers. Had some uh, Keto's, Ramondo, the Ramondo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember what it's actually called, but it's like the... The Nick Ramondo beer. Well, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm glad you had a good time. I, I hope you feel better, though. Thanks to everyone who subscribed on YouTube and followed us on Instagram and uh, signed up for the newsletter at holyhiveutah.com. We're seeing a lot of good growth every week so far, so keep spreading that good word. Uh, before we get into news, I have some stuff I have to get off my chest. Get it off. I kind of hate getting into this because it's a little more national, and we try to kind of keep things local here, but... Uh, it, there's this video bouncing around of these doctors talking about hydroxychloroquine. Yeah. Are you doing a video I'm talking about? Yes, I do. There's like a, a few different versions that have been bouncing around. There's one that's like 40 minutes long. That's the one I've seen. I mean, I haven't watched Did it, watch but that's the, the one oh, I've okay. seen. And then, there's, yeah, there's a couple versions that are just like snippets of the video. But I saw this video originally on Instagram. Someone uh, in my family had posted it. And I, I can't speak to like the the effectiveness of hydroxychloroquine. I have no idea like how that drug works or uh, what kind of studies or tests have been done on that drug. Yeah. But when I was watching it, I was like, I, I, I kind of like felt like these doctors were kind of talking out of their ass. Sure. And so I, I just decided to do like a little bit of research. Yeah. And so I just started Googling names and, and, and I got to say like a lot of these doctors spend most of their time talking about politics. Truly. They some, really yeah. do. And some of them spend a lot of time like talking about religion and witchcraft and witchcraft <laughs> and i was like how is this how is this getting any kind of credibility it it's it shouldn't be and i think if anyone did even 10% of the research that it seems you put into it they would have seen that i i put in literally the minimal amount of research I and it, it was it was not even like i had to go digging to cherry pick the worst parts of these people and their careers or anything like that like it's it was right like google top 5 results is yeah. something cuckoo or there was like one doctor who was talking about like, like who was like rallying for Bitcoin on political websites. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like none of them were doing research on vir- viral control yeah. or, vi- or, 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 or hydroxychloroquine at all. Like they, well, uh, they spend their time writing about politics. And uh, no, I see. I saw exactly what you're talking about. I had to interact with a couple of people because I couldn't help myself. Just like people that I'm friends with that I kind of respect. And mm-hmm. I was just like. What are you doing? These people are batshit insane. Yeah, and that's the thing is like the people that I saw posting it, I have like I think are intelligent people. I, so I, I was like, are are people not like even just like looking into it a little bit? I think a lot of people want to confirm their own opinions, regardless yeah. of the like the the veracity of you know whatever's going on in any video. They're just like, oh, that aligns with what I've been saying for the past three weeks. Yeah. So I'm gonna put it out there and say, hey, look. What I've been saying is right. Look at all of these doctors. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's just. And I think I think because of the way that this whole pandemic is shaken down, there's a lot of people just want answers because mm-hmm. it, shit sucks right now. 
And they want they want a change, I think, too. Like I know yeah. a lot of people just really want reopening. They don't think that this is nearly as bad as we're giving it credit for. So, like, yeah, if you do the minimal amount of research, you're gonna find like the uh, one of the doctors has a YouTube channel where she like I don't know if she's like giving medical advice or if she's just preaching. Mm-hmm. She's written like five books, and all of them are about God. Not even like a specific religion. They're just like this is how God works. And um, on her YouTube channel, she's just like making claims about how a lot of women's gynecological problems yeah. come from the fact that they're having sex dreams with what she calls spirit spouses. <laughs> so she's like, you know, you have a, you can, you can get ovarian cysts from having sex dreams. And this isn't like something you have to dig for that. Like she has, she promotes a YouTube channel where she talks about this stuff. That must be where all my hemorrhoids come from. <laughs> I don't actually have hemorrhoids, but <laughs> You're se- what kind of sex dreams are leading to hemorrhoids? <laughs> um, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> you got to talk to this doctor. Yeah, she'll tell me. She'll tell you. I think when you break it down more than any other media outlet, more than cable news, more than newspapers, more than digital websites associated with newspapers, actual journalistic outlets, people are getting all of their information from social media influencers. And that could be someone that works for Fox News or someone that works for CNN or the Huffington Post or something like that. But like it's social media is like driving information right now. It truly is. And so there's this thing where you get you get batshit crazy information from people that are not credible at all. And people are treating it like they have the answer, you know, and and social media is kind of set up in a way to promote that. You know, if you if people are interacting with it, then it's like hitting it's rising up harder, to the top. You know? Yeah. And so, like, I just want to know, like, because I've been thinking about this a lot. Like, how do you feel about the way that social media has kind of been a vessel for all this like misinformation? Well, I think it feels pretty bad, honestly. Um, <laughs> and I think you're totally right about it being incentivized through likes and that, you know, sort of stuff where. I want people to interact with my stuff. It's like almost a popularity yeah. contest. Um, it's hard to talk about anything when people are coming at this with just kind of their own different news source. Everyone's kind of coming at this with their own set of rules and their own set of criteria for like what is and isn't allowed in an argument. Yeah. And I just think that that's really impossible to have an informed discussion when all of the information is coming from wildly different sources and some of it's completely completely Mm -hmm. untrue yeah and some of it is like super anecdotal yeah and it's just you know this type of video where you can cut snippets out of it and make it sound like this crazy outrageous thing um it's uh, it's sexier than i I don't even know how you would take an actual peer-reviewed published study on, on on a treatment for maybe a vaccine for covid or something like that and and make that uh like consumable for like social media followers. Yeah. Like that's the, that's the, the weird problem with this is the way that social media is set up. We, we want people to just be loud and screaming on, on, on videos and stuff like that. And that's what's sexy to people a, a huge peer reviewed study. That's 20 pages long and in some language that you don't understand. Yeah. Is not sexy. Then he's pictures. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that's the problem. We need more pictures in peer reviewed studies. I believe it. Or find a way to make this content sexy, but like, it's kind of, it honestly is kind of on us to do the research on these types of things and, in, you know, not make decisions. Like someone telling you something on a social media website is not being informed. 
Yeah. It's, but it makes you feel like you're informed, you know? Um, and it makes you feel empowered to, yeah. to share that, like as if you're doing maybe a good thing when you're really just spreading more misinformation. Yeah. And I think also the kind of uncomfortable thing is that when you start digging into actual science and actual data, you kind of find that they have way less answers than you would assume that they have. Mm-hmm. But they're making decisions based on what they found. They might not have the complete answer, but they're like, this is the direction we're heading and this is what we found. So it's almost like every peer-reviewed study is an, an, a hunch that gets you a little bit farther. And I think that that, especially in this generation of instant gratification, is frustrating for people oh, yeah. to see, oh, we don't have the answer. Like They're like, no, you're, mm-hmm. you, have, you have the answer. Yeah. You're just not telling me. Yeah, I think just to kind of wrap up this this whole thing, I think I think it's up to us to kind of look into stuff that's bouncing around the internet like this. And obviously it's really boring to look into people's research and look into data and try to read re- like peer-reviewed and published reports. Um, but it's essential until we can find a way to make to to memeify peer-reviewed studies. <laughs> <laughs> We're kind of screwed. We need a way to memeified the information exactly at hand but anyway i just wanted to talk about that i actually think that one of the ways that we can beat stuff like this where uh misinformation is kind of leading us to talk about bullshit that has that is not productive in any way like talking about how often presidents golf and stuff like that honestly is to just focus on focus on state politics because truly again like i i kind of i i wanted to talk about this because i think misinformation is kind of dangerous and we and we're working in media right now so it's kind of an interesting thing to break open but like i think if you kind of focus on your community and you focus on the people in your community then you you're gonna have a greater chance of a productive discussion especially since you know oftentimes you can actually look them in the face and talk to them and you're less 100 percent you're you're less likely to call them a cuck yeah. <laughs> or something like that on the internet like you would um and then it just it helps us hold our own politicians accountable, which I think is a lot a lot easier to do on the state level than the federal yeah. level. So, and we did a good start by uh, getting Greg Hughes the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> All right, moving on to some local news. This first story comes from Dan Gascon at KSL TV. Governor Herbert has signed off on the reopening of one of America's favorite pastimes. The buffet. Yum. (laughs) Local restaurant owners are excited to be back in business as buffets across the state open their doors. But this achievement doesn't come without its own revised guidelines. According to the new food order, customers must wear a mask when entering the restaurant and while at the food bar. No more picking up your plates and utensils to serve yourself. They must all be given to you by employees. There are two options uh, when you're at the food bar. Either employees serve you or customers must use hand sanitizer with each visit. If customers serve themselves, serving utensils must be replaced every 30 minutes. So buffets are back open. You going you going to be going to buffet restaurants? I don't think so. I can't I can't say that I was frequenting them before the pandemic, so not I'm not sure I'm going to be returning to the old Chuckarama now. No. <laughs> I used to love lots of pizza pie and Roy. That's the last time I really enjoyed a buffet and that was like a pizza a lost, buffet. That's a lost treasure. It really is. I think Roy. it closed when we were in like early high school. I I Ever since I read this article, I can't stop thinking about how often people lick their fingers. Oh yeah, and um, I, I don't know why. Like, I guess I, I guess that just because this whole pandemic, I've become more sensitive to this type of thing. But like, I can't get over 
touching something that everyone's touching and it's so close to our food like the community spoon the community know? spoon is gross I, I, I don't like and, and maybe they're they're changing that up so it's all food workers that are serving you maybe i could get around to that they already had that like fancier buffets like mm-hmm. you go to one in like one of the hotels at like disneyland or some of the the, the nicer casinos in vegas they'll just have people serving you um I would probably do that, but I can't see myself going to a buffet like anytime soon. No, <laughs> it it's gonna it's gonna take a vaccine for me to be back in a in a buffet line. I think. Yeah. Um, so, do you think like self service in the food industry is kind of gonna be tilting a little bit with all of this? I think it's gonna have to tilt at least for the time being, but yeah. I don't think it's gonna go away. I think it's too ingrained in our our American psyche to go away. You got like salad yeah. bars. You know, you've got the ever important casino buffet that you that you mm-hmm. mentioned. Self serve ice cream and frozen yogurt is a pretty big thing. Like okay. I just think that there's yeah. there's too many people love autonomy. Yeah, and I think that there's there's too much. We have we have too much invested in the the self serve industry for it to go away. Just I was yeah. looking up some numbers. Uh-huh. Um, Golden Corral. These <laughs> the year is a bit. You know, this is a bit aged in terms of data, but. Golden Corral took in over 1.5 billion each year from 2015 to 2017. So they cleared 1.5 bill in 2015, 2016, Damn. and 2017. I mean, that's that's just Golden Corral too, you know. Yeah. So yeah. I think I think there's too much money for it to just disappear. Yeah. I, I don't think it's maybe as as big of a problem with something like frozen yogurt because it's just kind of a handle. You True. Know? You still have the community spoons with all the toppings and stuff like that, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, kind of gross, but also. The thing that like really gets me with buffets is like, you know, you go, you go to frozen yogurt, you, you, you do your thing and then you eat your yogurt and you leave. But at buffets, it's like you go to the bar, you come back, you eat, and then you go back to the bar yeah, you and you're like, it over and so, and over. yeah, it's yeah. And that, that part is kind of, we, we talked last week about schools opening up and how COVID could maybe find hot spots in schools. Um, do you think that uh, maybe buffets will be a hot spot for uh elderly people who eat dinner at 4 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of elderly people eating dinner at 4 p.m. Yeah. Um, I would hope not. Yeah. I would hope not just because, <laughs> yeah. like you mentioned with the guidelines, they're taking a lot of the self out of self-serve here. And so my hope is that the restrictions in place make it mm-hmm. so that these don't turn into hot spots for, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. and grandma and grandpa. All right, let's move on to the next story. Um, this one... This story comes from Amy Joy O'Donohue at KSL. China and several other foreign countries are sending unsolicited non-native seeds to Utah households and more than a dozen other states. State and federal officials are stumped over the motives behind what they say is an ecologically dangerous scam. So far, the state agency has identified nine different species of seeds sent to Utah residents that first started being reported July 23rd. If residents cannot get the material to the state agency, they are asked to kill the seeds by baking them at 200 degrees for 40 minutes. After they have cooled, they should be discarded, but not through green recycling. This is the one of the weirdest, like this, I mean. Truly. This would be the weirdest story for any other year, but this year it's just like, okay, yeah, business as usual. What are these <laughs> seeds, man? And I saw this, I first saw this on local news. Like I saw, I saw it on local websites, but then. Like the next day uh, on Twitter, I saw like New York Times was reporting it and the yeah. Washington Post was reporting it. And like, this is like a national thing that's going on. Absolutely. Um, I've been super surprised by just on every single website I've read this story on. I've read the New York Times one. I've read the KSL one. I've read the Salt Lake Tribune one. Uh-huh. All of them like explicitly state that you should not plant these seeds. And 
I feel like gardeners are a little more careful than that. Do we really need to be telling them? Like, yeah, it seems, it almost seems like kind of a non-issue, but still, I think this kind of weird story offers a, a unique opportunity to to develop our own conspiracy theories. I love it. So do you have a conspiracy theory as to why I do, these actually. seeds are coming out? I have a couple. Okay. Um, one is, and I think this one's a little less likely, uh-huh. is that this is just some kind of like goosebumps, stay out of the basement sort of thing, you know? Dude. And we got like a random Chinese company trying to make plant clones of all of us. Like, it's like, oh, I know what will happen. These guys are just going to throw these in the junk drawer, but you wait. I'm having like flashbacks to reading that book. Oh, that book. Those are, those are good. Spooky, spooky city, dude. But the one that I think is a bit more likely is that the Netflix algorithm has kind of come (laughs) to life and started sending seeds. (laughs) It's gone rogue and started sending seeds to, you know, all of these, these houses. Because look, during all of this year, like this year has just been a shit storm. Yeah. And so everyone wants the feel good stuff. They're going for the travel shows, they're going for the home gardening mm-hmm. shows, and that is what Netflix is trying to tap into here. They're sending out seeds in hopes that people will plant them and they can create a show based on the seed crit admirer. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm calling it, the seed crit admirer. <laughs> so this is actually, so that you could say that they're planting seeds for their next great Netflix show. Exactly. And this exactly. is where it starts. So this is this is almost like pre-viral marketing for their new Netflix show. It is it's a poor <laughs> attempt at viral marketing cuz so far, you know, I mean, maybe it's a good attempt. They're getting a lot of pub right now. Yeah, a lot they of They just pr- need to raise their hands and be like, "Yeah, it was us." Maybe just find out in like a few weeks that it really is just a viral marketing campaign for some movie. <laughs> My theory is that um a, a young kid somewhere maybe between the age of 13 and 17, someone who's, you know, those kids that are a little too smart for their own good. Mm-hmm. He's, he's trying to make his own weed growing operation. And so what he did is he went onto some sketchy Chinese website and bought massive quantities of really shitty weed seeds. <laughs> and he's going to plant them, you know, next to a train track in his hometown sure. somewhere and make his own little grow up. He's going to be the, the Walter White of his junior high school. <laughs> and, and and so when he ordered all these seeds to, to throw off the feds, because he is smart, he, mm-hmm. he has a strategy. He wants to throw off the feds. He doesn't want to let them know that he's ordering weed seeds. Um, so he, so he, he got a ton of friends from his school in on it. And he's going to cut them in on the profits, but he needs to send these seeds to like a ton of different friends. Mm-hmm. But I think maybe uh, he stayed up a little too late or maybe hit a, a few too many dabs off of a bad a black market cart gotcha <laughs> and uh typed in all the zip codes wrong <laughs> so instead of going to all of his classmates they just went all over the country they're and they're starting the this whole and now he's hiding out in a treehouse somewhere because all of oh, his <laughs> seeds are creating this viral controversy anyway I, I i'm excited to see uh what the seeds where the seeds came from hopefully yeah. there's there's more this is still kind of a, an early story but i think they're investigating it right now but all right, uh, let's move on to our last story. So this one comes from uh, Adam Forgey at KUTV. Everyone basically in Utah, though, is reporting on this. Stonemasons yeah. stone have been restoring the uh, Salt Lake City Temple, and they uncovered something that has been perched atop the sacred building for 128 years, a time capsule. The time capsule was sealed in a concrete sphere upon which the angel Moroni stood for over a century, Inside the capsule, uh, members of the Church History Library found coins, medallions, copper plates, and many books, though the books had been damaged due to years of moisture exposure, but the coins are in pretty good condition. Nice. How are those copper plates? Copper plates should be good. Um, 
so yeah, so there's that. I mean, it's it's pretty cool. There's like there's a there was a concrete time capsule on top of the temple. They're restoring it. They brought it down, cracked it open. 128 year old relics um, that I think would. I'm assuming they'll be put in a museum. They belong in a museum. They do as belong Indiana in Jones a museum. Say. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so look uh, at all these coins. Yeah, what's your reaction to the contents of this time capsule? Is this exciting? I think it's one of those things where, like, the idea of it is much more exciting than the the end product. Mm-hmm. Like, reading this story, I was like, "Oh, a time capsule on top of the on top of the temple, a hundred years," and like yeah. all of these things were like, you know, really getting me going. I was uh-huh. excited, and then it's like four hundred coins and some books. And it's like, oh, yeah, I'm not particularly interested in the contents, no. But uh, the idea is very cool, and I'm sure that there are people who are very much interested in the literature mm-hmm. found within the time capsule. It's a lot of like Joseph Smith martyrdom books, and you know, just yeah. Mormon books in general. Um, yeah. And I'm not particularly well read in Mormon literature, and I don't really yeah. plan to be. But I bet you there are tons of people who would be really interested in this. Yeah, stuff. not going to get into the texts of those I'm books or anything gonna. like that. Not that you could. It's fun to look at the coins, and like look yeah. at how coins were minted back then, and like what they looked like and stuff. Like they were like quarters and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it does kind of show you like how boring stuff was back then. It was yeah. just like books and quarters. There's a couple pieces of paper and a and like a penny. Yeah, and they found tons of coins in there. Yeah. I think... Upwards of 400. Yeah, 400, like, coins. I like to think that that was, like, tithing. Yeah. <laughs> they just... They, <laughs> they did tithing that week, and then they were like, we're just going to put all of this tithing into the time capsule. And if we ever get... If we ever come down on hard times, there's always money in the temple. <laughs> there's always money in the temple. <laughs> like, there's always money in the banana stand. There's hi- <laughs> there's lining the walls of the temple with tithing. I love it. Um for it's like a rainy day fund it looked like when i looked at the pictures that like the coins were just like scattered throughout the cement like they weren't like in a nice pile yeah they were just everywhere in the cement ball and i was like huh yeah seems like a count like doesn't seem like a very smart way to do that but okay <laughs> just loose coins <laughs> like i lose coins in my couch and you guys lost coins just all throughout cement I'd be crazy if like they it, like lightning struck that ball and it exploded and there was just coin like rare coins all over Utah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell Deloy. Um, do you do you think time capsules in general are cool or is is modern life over it? <laughs> I think the like I said, I think the idea of a time capsule is way cool. Okay. Um, just in just preserving something. Um, you know, if I'm in. If I'm invested in whoever created a time capsule, I'm going to be invested in whatever they put in that time capsule. Yeah. I think ultimately they're just kind of a look into like what we found important at any given moment in history. Mm-hmm. And I find that fascinating. I do think like obviously modern technology is cooler than like a manuscript from a book Yeah, from the 1800s. Uh-huh. But, you know, the past is always going to inform what we think is cool in the present. Yeah, you know, like most of the cool people that I know are dressing like it's ninety five, mm-hmm. and uh, taking photos on Polaroids like it's nineteen eighty five, and yeah, listening to vinyl like it's nineteen seventy five. Yeah, so, it's fun to romanticize an era that we can't tap into. Yeah, there's something it. almost like there's something more tangible about listening to a record as opposed to listening to a song on an app that you have no idea where it's coming from. It's just like being shot down to you from a satellite somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You put on a record and you're like, this was, I actually, I, l- I like listening to like full albums because of that. Like, it's like, this was, this was made as a presentation. Yeah, to to. I agree. And I do think that almost, you know, not to get on a tangent, I think that's almost being lost in the streaming era. Like, yeah, for the sure. The album is, um, you're getting a lot of singles, a lot of EPs. Yeah. And then even the full length albums are, 
I've seen some studies that like songs are getting shorter and shorter because you want more and more plays. So you get like, ah. you create like an 18 track album with like yeah. two minute songs yeah. because you want those 18 plays instead of 12 so plays at four minutes. They're creating music for the algorithm. Yes. Yeah. And analytics is driving creativity now. Mm-hmm. See, maybe that's it. Maybe like in uh, another hundred years, they're going to crack open a time capsule, the holy hive time capsule that we make. Yeah. And we, you know, we put a, a Tame Impala record in it and, they're like, what? What is this? this is these this? songs are six minutes long, and get out. Th- there's twelve of them <laughs> on here. They're like, the, I, I, songs get sent to my brain through a microchip. Like, <laughs> if if you had a time capsule twenty years ago, so that would have been the year two thousand. What would be in it? All right, I, I actually I put a lot of thought into this. Okay, so I would have been nine years old. I would have definitely put my, I mean, assuming that I didn't need this stuff anymore, which I definitely would have needed this stuff. Like we have to say that I'm putting this stuff in here, even though I never would put my Game Boy Color, my yellow Game Boy Color would go in there. Yeah. Um, The first album I ever bought with my own money, I bought it in Scottsdale, Arizona at a CD store, Mm -hmm. was Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. I think that's the pink album where she's like sitting on the floor. A banger. Um, a great, great yeah, album. That's a good album. Um, I had my favorite toys when I was younger were the Animorph Transformers. So you, yeah, they like, dude, they were, <laughs> you could make them into like little fighting dudes or you can put them into an actual animal. Uh-huh. Um, and I specifically remember loving a sna- I had the snapping tortoise Animorph Transformer. So I'd put that in there. Um, and then the final item would have to be one of those giant Pokeballs from Burger King that had the 23 karat gold card oh, in it. Oh, yeah. I would put one of those in Dude. there. Because that is just like a perfect representation of that time as a nine-year-old. More than any other like fast food toy, that yep. was the one that I became obsessed with like collecting. Everyone needed it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Other than that, there was the one. There was another one that was like, it was when the uh, Matthew Broderick Inspector Je- Gadget came out. Oh, yeah. They, they McDonald's had... A t- a t- you could basically they had a a giant inspector gadget action figure uh-huh. that um and each gadget was a different toy so mm. you had to collect all the toys and you could build to make the full the, figure that's awesome and i remember being so pissed because my buddy was an only child and his parents took him to like every mcdonald's in like the tri-county area <laughs> Some and, of the kids that we grew up with were so spoiled. I know, and it made I was like so I was so pissed and and jealous. He also he also had like all the all the N sixty four games that I, but but I think you made a good point when you're when you're listing these things off is that their time capsules are probably a little flawed in that if there's something that's really important to someone in a certain era, they're not going to just seal it off yeah. and and bury it. <laughs> they're probably going to hold on to it and 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 keep using it. But um, for for my Time capsule from twenty years ago. If if I was gonna put in the first album I ever bought, it would have been uh now that's what I call music, the original. Now that's what I call music. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah, that now one. Is I that the one with that. uh Hard Knock Life by Jay Z on it? I think that was the second one. Right. I, I, I kinda have like the first five like yeah. in my head. Because I, I genuinely like when I was a when I was a, a child, I was like, This makes logical sense. Why would I buy one C D with one artist? <laughs> When I can buy a CD that has a ton of artists, it's like I'm buying 12 CDs. Those were great. But that's uh, who introduced me to Gorillaz. Yeah, was the yeah. Now. I think that was. Now I, was I think that was on the second one. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. It was Clint Eastwood, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, Clint Eastwood. Yeah. I think I think on now one they they had, uh, uh, 
Karma Police was All on right. there. That uh, there was a Backstreet Boys song on there. So like now introduced me to like Radiohead. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, the Casey and JoJo song that all my oh life my song goodness, dude, that, that song's song incredible <laughs> yeah dude that that like even at the time that's that's probably the the song that got me into like r&b music um and then um there was a spice girls song on there and i think it was say you'll be there which i think is their best song it's a great song yeah yeah it's that 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 spice girls album was also a banger for that time um i would probably also put in the time capsule uh, all the scary stories to tell in the dark books. Great. Those great books. Those, I was obsessed with those. Yeah. Um, at that time, uh, my very extremely worn down copy, uh, VHS copy of three ninjas. Hell yeah. I was there. The, uh, I had, I had a, a copy that I watched so much that there was a scene in it that just completely got messed up in the tape. Was it the X lax scene? No, thank, thank goodness. That's such a good we scene. Pre- it was actually the scene that I hate the most from that okay. movie, which is the basketball scene. I don't remember the basketball scene. Maybe I was watching your VHS. Yeah, it's just it's. I feel like the, <laughs> I feel like the scene was like something that was popular in the '90s and 2000s, where it's like the 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 main characters are good at something, mm-hmm. but we're gonna take a break to have them play basketball against someone. And I, there was like all these weird basketball. I, th- I do you remember that movie? Uh, they came together. That like uh-huh. sat- satire movie. Yeah, they even have a scene in that making fun yeah. of those scenes where it's like, have you seen the Catwoman basketball scene? Yes. It is absurd. Okay, yeah. So it's actually very similar to that. Yeah. Holy shit. So good. Three Ninjas is directed by John Turtletaub, who directed Cool Runnings. And National Treasure, right? National Treasure. And The Meg. I didn't know he directed The Meg. I fucking loved The Meg. Um, That's pretty cool. Three Ninjas Um, is a national treasure. I also had a VHS tape, uh, because I don't know if you remember taping things back in the day. Yeah. But I used to tape episodes of like uh, Nickelodeon shows that I loved. Mm-hmm. So I had like a VHS tape that had a ton of all that and Keenan and Kel. Love it. Orange and, Soda. And, yeah. And all the all the great like uh, Nickelodeon game shows like Figure It Out and Guts and stuff like that. Like that was my jam. And I, I think to conf- also confuse people that would open up this hypothetical time capsule, I'd throw in a bop it. I was so good at Bop It when I yeah, was a dude. kid. <laughs> but like people, that's one of those things. People, that's what, see, that's some, that's a relic that I think would interest people in a hundred yeah. years. If you, if they opened up a time capsule and you had a working Bop It, they would be like, what did they use this for? Is it the original Bop It, which is just Bop It, pull it, and twist it? it? It's like fling it or twist they it? They got really, really complicated yeah, yeah. in like some of the second and third generation. I remember there was a Flick It. Yeah. And like, just it was like, all right, let's stick to three. <laughs> That's a yeah. great time capsule, though. So I wanted to do like a little fantasy experiment and make a, a top five list of artists that we want to see in Utah when concerts come back. That's one of the biggest things that I'm really excited to get back to. And I hope we have this all crushed before next year because I, I, I'm just like really missing outdoor concerts and stuff. So, yeah. So I see that you've already broken every rule that I set for this. <laughs> So th- that's my bad. I misunderstood the rules. No, it's okay. I because I, 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 I read through it and I like it. But the, the way I set it up is like band and artist that you want to come to Utah and why uh, the venue you'd like to see them play at and maybe a local artist that you'd like to see open for them. So just to, to clarify, I thought that you were just supposed to pick one. I thought this was all one show. I didn't think that okay. this was like choose the artist and the venue you'd like to see them at. I thought it was Mm. choose five artists and the venue you'd like to see them at with one local opener. So that's what I did. Um, Okay. 
And I went with, I really struggled with, do I want to create a cohesive, cohesive concert uh-huh. again? Cause I misunderstood the rules. <laughs> um, do I want to create a cohesive concert where all the artists are complimenting each other and working kind of in unison? Or do I want to go with like kind of buffet style to go back to the Chuckarama conversation <laughs> and put things on my plate that had no really no relation to one another? And that's yeah. kind of what I did. So I set it up like a festival. And the festival is called Dan Lawler Palooza for obvious reasons. Yes. Um, I like it. It's going to be, to set the scene, it's going to be at Snow Basin where they do the blues, brews, and barbecues. Good underrated um, venue. Yeah, I think it's great, and I th- you'll get. A, I think you'll understand why I want it outdoor later on, uh-huh. um, because some of the artists just don't really make sense to me for like a venue where you're standing up, like you know the depot or something. Uh-huh. So it's going to be in early October, so it's not too hot, not too cold for everybody Perfect who's chilling time. out there, you know. Mm-hmm. And we're going to start out with Act One, and this is kind of the warm up act. Okay. And my local or is uh, my local opener is Earthworm. Our good friend from Ogden. Um, shouts to Worm. Yeah, shouts to Worm. And he's just gonna be my he's gonna be my first choice. And I wanted to start off with hip hop because. It will get the energy going, yeah. but it's not going to burn anyone out yeah. right away. Like you can kind of vibe. Yeah, there's yeah. some harder stuff coming up later that, like, that's where you're going to really get worn out, and you don't want to start with that. You want to ease people into it. Okay. So I'm going to start with Worm. First of all, he's great. I think he's he's very talented. Straight I love right. his music. So good. Shout out to Cleesh too. Um, mm-hmm. and it's also just a pretty short drive for them, which is nice. Like yeah. they they just have to hop on. Hop on 12th Street, Snow go Basin's, up the canyon. Snow Basin's in Ogden. And they're there. Ogden original. Exactly. And then once uh, Worm and Cleesh hop off the stage, I'm going to bring on, as my first non-local, op- I mean, my first non-local performer is Schoolboy Q. Um, yeah. I wanted to continue. I wanted to break this up into kind of three sections. Uh-huh. And so I wanted to maintain the hip hop uh, for the first act. Mm-hmm. And it was between... Schoolboy Q and Vince Staples for me. I've already seen Vince Staples, yeah. So I figured, eh, let's get let's get Schoolboy Q in here. I've never seen him, uh, and I just love his music. So that that's it for Act One. After let's, Act One, let's. How about we do this? How okay. about how about you? Get, so we, we 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 you did Act One. Okay. We'll go over to my list, and I'll and I'll and I'll fire one off. Okay. And then we'll come back to Dan Lawler Palooza. All right. Okay. So a concert that I want to see uh, when when venues open back up is. Um, an artist that I've loved for years and I just haven't been able to catch is uh, Gallant. Love Gallant. Gallant's amazing, and he uh, released an album right before this all this this whole pandemic started. Um, and for some reason, I think just most of his tours, he's kind of missed Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one I think he did an opening act of probably back in 2016, but which is when he kind of blew up. But Gallant is just an artist that I've been dying to see for years. He's fantastic. And I would say, and I would, I would want to do that at the Depot. I think the Depot has the perfect vibe for that show. Yeah. Um, I think for a an opener, we have to go with Jay Warren. I make you feel like a masterpiece. Run my fingers through your hair real slowly. Oh, I can tell you like the finer things. Not only because, you know, they're kind of in the same genre wheelhouse. Yeah, they mesh you know, together well. Yeah, they'd mesh, that would make a really good show. But also Jay, when we worked together a few years ago, he introduced me to Gallant. So 
it would be really cool. Like yeah, he was like, Hey, you got to check out this artist. And I like fell in love with gallant. And then one day getting to see him play with gallant would be, that would really, be awesome. really, really cool. Um, so should we go back to, let's go back to Lollapalooza. All right. So, and so for act two, this is where we're really ramping up the aggression. And so <laughs> for the second choice, uh, is sorry. The second non-local artist that I'm bringing up is gorilla biscuits, Damn. which is a 1980s hardcore band from New York. Um, hugely influential to my music taste from junior high to high mm -hmm. school, which was influential to my music taste for the rest of my life. Yeah. Uh, they're a band that I can still listen to on repeat all day long today and mm -hmm. never get sick of them. And I've never seen them. I was worried that they weren't, wouldn't really qualify for this because they are old and weren't touring anymore, but it actually, they had like nine tour dates in 2019. So shouts to them for being way old and still rocking harder yeah. than most. And uh, they're going to be followed by our uh, most aggressive band, which is Rage Against the Machine. Legitimately mm -hmm. one of my favorite bands of all time. Um, embarrassing or not, they informed a lot of my thoughts and opinions in, yeah. in, when I was younger. Um, uh -huh. And, you know, they just bring us to the peak of aggression, I think, in terms of this show. I really wanted something to get the blood going. Yeah. And especially in this day and time where everyone's really fucking mad. Yeah. This, yeah. It That's, seems, yeah. We need Rage Against the Machine more than ever. We do. Now. And they, they, uh, they were going on tour before all this happened. Yeah. A lot they, of their dates got canceled. They announced a reunion tour for mm -hmm. this year. And I was, I was looking at a couple of those dates. I was looking at Boston, possibly. I love Boston, but yeah, uh, I wasn't and, able and to. Also, Rage Against the Machine has history in Utah. Yeah, the Spanish Fork story. Yeah, we'll have the, to dig into that one. I, I, yeah, on an episode. I, I don't. I don't want to. I think that is worth digging into in a, in maybe a, a, a longer form on another podcast. It is amazing. But if you if you if you haven't heard of it, essentially, Rage Against the Machine played a show in in, in Spanish Fork's fairgrounds, and it made everyone in the community really upset and it like they thought the world was ending just because their rage against the machine was playing in their neighborhood well they thought they were trafficking in like gang members and like cartel and stuff yeah in their tour bus and they were booked on accident yeah they were not supposed to be booked yeah so we'll dig into that in another one but that's just a really cool piece of history i also have a cousin that was at that show that's amazing. Was amazing yeah um all right so going back to my list uh number two do two of them do two of them? Okay, I'm going to do two. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll go through the next two. Um, so this one's kind of a makeup show because these people were supposed to be here last year. Um, this band is uh, Glass Animals. And uh, they were supposed to play last year. I can't remember what venue they were supposed to be at. But their drummer got into a biking accident and it took them off the tour. Really, really sucked. Um, I was and I, I was ready for that show. I really wanted to see those guys. And then they're they're gonna play Red Rocks again this year. And then this all happened. Yeah. And so there was like two opportunities that I missed see, being able to see Glass Animals. I did uh, see them in 2016 after they released their second album at Red Rocks in Colorado. And I like still is like top five concerts that I've ever been to. They're great. And it's 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 kind of a a cop out for a Red Rock show to be like that because I feel like it, those shows are a little heightened. Yeah, absolutely. Like, the band is way excited to play Red Rocks, and you know you're just excited to be there, and it's just an amazing venue. Um, I think I would love to see them though here at the Ogden Amphitheater, and. Okay. I think Ogden Amphitheater is probably a little bit small for Glass Animals. I think they would sell it out and it would kind of overflow. But also with like Ogden Twilight, they have like huge people come and, yeah. and they, you know, they, they, they can handle huge shows, but uh, mostly because I'm just not like a huge fan of Usana. I'm and not I'm, either. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not big on that. And I almost, yeah, I, I think 
USANA kind of almost kills all the intimacy of an outdoor like amphitheater show. Yeah. Um, and it's so out of the way. Yeah. I just hate, so, yeah. I hate getting to USANA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have to leave like before the encore if you want to get home before 1 a.m. because yeah. of the traffic and stuff. So Ogden Amphitheater, Glass Animals. And, you know, let's get a, a local band in there from, I think, I, I think these guys are from Ogden. Maybe, maybe I'm mistaken. They might be from Salt Lake or somewhere else. But um, this band called Panther Mill. Have you, have you heard these guys? Yeah, Panther Milk's They're great. really good. Yeah. Um, and I, I, you can check out their music on Spotify. They have a really good vibe that I think would fit with Glass Animals really well. So that's my, my number two show. Okay, so moving on to my number three pick, uh, Childish Gambino. We saw Childish Gambino in 2014, I think. We did see Childish Gambino in 2014. That was a, that was a great show. That was shortly after the uh, Because of the Internet album. So. Yeah, which is still my favorite album. I think, yeah, I think that's his best work. Yeah, it's so it's, it's really good. But anyway, uh, obviously since 2014, he's kind of taken on this different life. Mm-hmm. You know? In his acting career, he's gotten into like, uh, you know, Star Wars, the Star Wars universe yeah. and like Lion King and stuff like that. And um it seems like every album or every piece of music that he puts out just come becomes like a little bit more experimental, mm-hmm. you know? And um, he seems like a guy that's really obsessed with putting on a good show. And I think that's kind of half the battle with a good concert. For sure. Is like the presentation. And whether you like are consistently enthralled with his work or not, I think he can, he'll put on a show. He'll like take care of you, you know? For sure. Like even if there's songs that you don't like, he's going to find a way to present it in a way that, you know, gets to you. Um, and I think this show, this show has to be take place, not in like a traditional venue. It has to be like out in the salt flats at night and you have to hike an hour to get to the, the space. I love it. And it's just like this secluded, desolate area. It's a journey. Yeah, it's a journey. And I, 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 I that would, that would be the best childish Gambino show. Just this open space on the salt flats. Um, and for a local local opener, I gotta go with uh, Concise Kilgore. Okay. Have you heard his stuff? I've heard Concise Kilgore. He, really good, and uh, I think he's got like this. He's a hip hop artist that I think pulls a lot of samples and a lot of inspiration from all kinds of music, kind of like Childish Gambino does, where he's kind of digging into like different. Um, not just like traditional hip hop stuff. It's not just like constantly writing an 808 or anything like that. Yeah. He's like trying to really pull from different inspirations and is like similar to Childish Gambino. He's got like really vibrant wordplay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, I think that would just be a good opener. And I think he has opened for a couple of hip hop artists in like some of the twilight concerts yeah. and stuff like that. But yeah. So concise Kilgore. All right, awesome. let's let's move on to uh, uh, Act Three of Law- Dan Lawler Palooza. <laughs> Dan Lawler Palooza. So this is the closing act. After everybody has some dinner, you come back, and the stage has been, you know, kind of changed into a more relaxing open area. Um, and yeah. for the first band of uh, Act Three, we're gonna have "This Will Destroy You." I wanted to bring like in it. to to bring us in for kind of a smooth landing of the of this day long festival. Yeah. This is when the mushrooms are starting to taper exactly. off. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, you're gonna get some nice, relaxing at times, intense instrumental yeah, music. Yeah. Um, this is another one of my favorite bands, and I have been trying and mostly failing to see "This Will Destroy You." For six years now yeah um uh, we had one jordan was there for one experience yeah. the one time i've actually successfully seen them 
um, was not the best situation. Things <laughs> things went a little haywire. And uh, so I didn't really enjoy my time at that This Will Destroy You show. Um, and every time they've come since, something's just come up. I had yeah. tickets to see them uh, at Metro one year, and I just had to bail because I had a flight that I needed to wake up at 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. for. Yeah. Um, the year after that, I was told I was put on a guest list, and then I went to the show, and I was not on the guest list. So I just decided to bail instead of pay oh, 25 no. bucks for 35 minutes of music. You got iced at the door? I got iced at the door. Um, but yes, these, this, they're just a, an amazing band that has, that, has, that has done quite a bit for me mm-hmm. in terms of just relaxing. And, and subtly, <laughs> like, they're a band that's kind of been a, a go-to for like uh, – like uh, bed music and movies, bed you know? me- yeah, absolutely. Like they're, they, they're not not necessarily scoring movies, mm-hmm. but they're they're tapped into a lot for like cinematic definitely purposes. They have a song called "The Mighty Rio Grande," which has been used in so many pieces oh, of yeah. media. It's in like the 1985 Bears documentary. It's mm. in World War Z. I think it's, it's in, in just, Room. I think yes, it yeah, is in Room in when room. he's when he's yeah. in the rug in the back of the truck. That's yeah, yeah, that yeah. exact song. That is a beautiful song. Really good. And uh, so once they're done, my headlining artist is going to be Hans Zimmer. Um, Incredible. I wa- I've watched his Coachella, his Coachella performance many times, and his uh, his live in Prague concert was on Netflix for quite some time. Mm-hmm. It might still be on Netflix, and that shit is amazing. Um, I would I would pay any number of money dollars and drive any distance to see him perform and. Uh, so I think that he's the perfect person to end us on like a simultaneous like exhilarating and relaxing, calming yeah. level. It's a roller coaster. It is a roller coaster. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I like a show that has a really nice life to it. Mm-hmm. And so we're starting off bringing the energy up with the hip hop. We're really ramping it up with the aggression of hardcore. And yeah. then we're coming down with some instrumental music and some, some orchestral music. Yeah. And that's like- the end of Dan Lawler Palooza. I love it. It's a great show. Yeah, that's. I'm really excited, uh, and, and Snow Basin I think is a is a great. I can't man, if if you could watch a Hans Zimmer concert in on Snow ba- at Snow Basin just, just with among the mountains, mountains and yeah. everything, and it's nighttime. It'd be beautiful. All the stars. Oh my god, that'd be, be incredible. Beautiful. Get on it, promoters. All right, I'm gonna go through the last uh, two artists on my list. So actually, my number four is also an instrumentalist. Nice band, because I I think. Uh, well, I think people are sleeping on instrumentalists as good, good concert fare. I always, I always would say that. Yeah. And so my number four is Tycho and Tycho has been here a couple times. Yes. I've seen Tycho. Yeah. Wonderful performance. Where did, you, where did, you, where did he play? At I the, saw him at the depot. See depot is perfect venue. For yeah. That. Yeah. And, and you want somewhere, it has to be indoors. You want somewhere with a lot of lighting control. Mm-hmm. So I saw Tycho at life is beautiful in 2017 and they had a stage and then basically it was like a giant, it almost looked like an airplane hangar, like mm-hmm. with a curved top. And so they had the stage and then the airplane hangar went from the stage back. And then on the ceiling of the hangar, they put tons of lighting stuff that was uh, mapped into all the lighting yeah. production. And um, then they had LED screens going down the side. And so during this concert, they had full control of the lighting in this entire place. And that's where they put like a lot of the techno stuff mm-hmm. and everything. But Tycho played in this, in this area and holy shit, dude. Like, I believe it. it. Dude, those guys like, and they're, they're kind of the, the, like a similar, like they're obviously a little bit different than like, this will, this will destroy you. But 
they do have this this thing where they, they their show comes in waves where they have songs that are really mellow mm-hmm. and people are just kind of like vibing and then they have just these bangers where everyone's dancing and going nuts yeah. and there was like it was one of those concerts where you know if like I saw Lord at that same show mm-hmm. Lord is like gigantic yeah so if you're and, and we were pretty close to the stage too and if you're close to the stage for someone that huge sometimes the concert's not always that fun. I, I, pre- I usually prefer to not be close to the stage personally. Yeah. And it's, there's a lot of pushing. It's mm-hmm. very like keeping your balance is like number two on your list of things to do other than just trying to like take in the moment. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're just like trying to hold your balance. And I, I, of- I often don't like concert experiences like that where I'm just like trying to stay up. But like at Tycho, no one's doing that. And I mean, Tycho, obviously they're not as big as like Lord, but like, everyone's just like respecting space mm-hmm. and just vibing out. And yeah. that's, that's, that's what I look for. Um, I wake and, up to Tycho every day. That's my alarm. Yeah. It's, it's a good, it's a great way to start the day. It is. Um, yeah. So they put on a great show. I'd love to see them back here, probably at the depot again. I think that's just the perfect venue for them. I think that is a good venue. Um, and for a local opener, um, I'm going to go with a, uh, a guy named uh, S2 Cool. <laughs> Heard of him i've never heard of s2 cool and he put he makes a lot of the kind of similar music like i think i think he does tap into vocals in some of his mm-hmm. work but a, lo- a lot of his stuff is like really danceable thoughtful music production yeah that's just really fun to vibe out to um all right so moving on to the last um on my list of concerts that i'd like to see in i guess 2021 so number five for me is uh fiona apple and uh, if a year ago i this wouldn't have been an answer for me yeah but she released a new album this year. Is that the Bolt Cutter album? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Really, it's really good. And I had been, like, familiar with Fiona Apple, kind of maybe her, like, Spotify top five songs. Yeah. Like, that's kind of as I think that's I probably my limit. Yeah. And um, and I think, I think I mostly got into her because, like, Paul Thomas Anderson directed a bunch of her music videos. Mm. And so I was, like, obsessed with his work. And that's how I kind of got into Fiona Apple. But after this album came out, I started listening to it. And then just started going on a deep dive of all of her stuff. Uh-huh. And like one of my favorite genres of music is like happy, sad. Yes. Where like, like, you know, like third eye blind where the music the is music like, music is so cheery, but yeah. the, the content is really yeah. melancholy. Yeah. And you look at the lyrics and it's like really depressing shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's like, that's my jam. Like I love happy, sad music. Um, and, uh, Fiona, Fiona Apple. I, I, I'm not, so part of it is because like I've, I've kind of had this like newfound love for Fiona Apple, and I love to see her live. But also, I'm just like she's one of those artists that I don't know how many years she has. Yeah, and her work is becoming less consistent. And so it would just be like if she came, it would be a nice opportunity to check that out. And I think, uh, um, I think you'd have to do that at Red Butte Gardens. That yeah, that's a great place. Yeah, that'd be a great a great and, and might might be a little might be a little pat. I, actually, I don't know. I don't know how Fiona, like how much Fiona Apple has like how, how big of a fanhood that she has in this market. But um, I think it I think it would still be packed, and yeah. but it would still be a good show. That I think that 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 would be the perfect venue. Not only because it's an outdoor amphitheater and it's nice and intimate, but also they let you drink inside the venue. Byop. And I feel like if I'm going to see Fiona Apple, I want to have like a few glasses of wine yeah. and get myself nice and vulnerable. You know? I thought about having <laughs> Dan Lawler Palooza at uh, at Red Butte, but it just didn't seem it didn't seem like a good place to see Rage Against the Machine. Well, they have this 
gorgeous flower garden in front yeah. of the stage, and you know that shit's getting trampled it's, by Zach, Zach Delaroca yeah. is just gonna mosh into that thing. <laughs> exactly. You know? um, so yeah, that might be a little rough. Uh, so yeah, Fiona Apple Red Butte Gardens would be a, a killer show, um, and I think for a local opener, um, this is this is a band that I kind of like discovered as I was doing the research for this, but I uh-huh. ended up getting like way into one of their albums, and it's a band called Breakfast in Silence. I've never heard Breakfast in Silence either. A Salt Lake City band, and they have this really kind of raw garage punk feel, and I think they're really good, and that would be, I think they would make a really good opener for for Fiona Apple. Um, So if you haven't checked out Breakfast in Silence, uh, check them out. I think they have a... A couple albums out. I got to do some homework, I guess. There's some, there's a few local locals on here that I'm not familiar with. But I think those are all fascinating shows. All five of those shows that you put together are great. So Next time I'll come into this understanding the rules. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, dude. I like the Lollapalooza concept, though. It's not bad. I think that could be another another challenge is that we just try to, you know, put together a, 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 a four-day festival or three-day festival. There you go. In Utah. With locals, maybe maybe that's the, the next thing is we make a we, we do a a draft for the next great Utah outdoor festival. Well, there was gonna be a, an outdoor hip hop festival this year that really I think got canceled. Yeah, it was. I think it was gonna be taking place in June. I know that uh, like Denzel Curry was gonna be there. Damn, and uh, there was gonna be quite a few good artists that I was pretty interested in. So Not sad that canceled. Sad that it's not not taking place. But hopefully we can get that back. Yeah. Dying for for more outdoor concerts or more concerts in general. I would love outdoor concerts. I I agree with you that summer is a great time for outdoor concerts, but I would Mm -hmm. love, give me some outdoor concerts in the fall. Yeah. I love the fall time. You know, I just think that that's, I'm not dealing with too many allergies. I don't got to deal with sunburner heat exhaustion. Yeah. I just love the temperature of Yeah, light jacket weather. Yeah. That's what, that's why Lollapalooza is, it's an, it's an October staple. How would you feel about a winter outdoor concert? I would feel okay about it depending on where and when and how. You know what I mean? I saw in, I think it was like 2008 or 2009, I saw Dashboard Confessional. Oh, I was there. On 25th Street in Ogden. Some old guy tried to fight me. (laughs) Over what? He was being a dick. Chris Carabas pick. And I like pointed (laughs) at him and said, stop it. And he like grabbed my finger and bent it backwards. And it was just a really big, really big thing. Damn. It was annoying. Oh yeah, that was it. That was in the winter. And yeah, it was that, outdoor. Yeah, and I think I think that worked. But I you think just have so. to prepare. Like, it, like I think if you have winter clothing on, mm-hmm. being in a crowd isn't too bad. No, I agree. It, yeah, um, it's as probably long as you got the movement. The you keep the movement up. Yeah, you know, dance and keeping the blood exactly. flowing. Yeah, maybe maybe that's an underrated thing that we need to get into more is winter outdoor concerts. Um, I don't know. Maybe artists don't like doing it. It presents different problems. But anyway. That's our, uh, our our little concert draft, and uh, that's going to do it for the Holy Hive show today. Actually, oh, before okay. we go, yeah, I would like to give a quick shout out to uh, Ken Sanders' books, rare books. Oh, uh, that's right. Ken Sanders' rare books is currently holding a uh, GoFundMe for to try to save their store. They they go through bullshit every year. It seems like with with people trying to take over yeah. their space to build goddamn more apartment buildings. Like yeah. we need eight thousand more apartment buildings in Salt Lake City, but. 
They're uh, yeah, they're currently struggling due to the pandemic. So if mm-hmm. you go to uh, GoFundMe and just search "Save Ken Sanders Rare Books," that'd be really sweet if you could donate some money because I love that store. A staple. I love of Salt Lake City. Yeah, I love getting lost in their old postcard mm-hmm. section. Speaking of time capsules, you know. Yeah. That store is a time capsule, and it'd yeah. be it'd be a damn shame to lose it. Save Ken Sanders books. Let's do it. And uh, we'll be back next week, uh, next Monday. And uh, thanks to everyone that's uh, subscribing, following, doing all that, yada, yada. Please, you know, tell your friends and family about the show. Keep spreading the good word and give us positive ratings if you're you're listening on Apple or or wherever. If they've got a rating system, you know, leave us a rating, subscribe, leave a comment, do whatever you want to. Tell your mom about it. We love moms. We, lo- we love moms here at the Holy Eye Show. <laughs> um, so yeah, thank you to everyone who's been listening and uh, we'll see you next week. Be good. See ya. Wear a mask. <laughs>